It's time for another episode of Time Out, the British basketball podcast by Basketball England. Great Britain's Carl Wheatle talks life in lockdown and his career in Italy with me, Mark Jones, and we find out all of his favourites with some quickfire questions. Don't forget to like and subscribe and enjoy the pod. Carl Wheatle, thanks for joining me on this week's edition of Time Out, the Basketball England podcast. How have you been doing in these recent weeks? Um, not too bad. I mean, um, when the whole lockdown situation um, originally started, I was still in Italy. So, and their lockdown started before the UK. So I was sort of a bit of ahead of, you know, being able to prepare and sort of ex- knowing what to expect. And so since I've been home, I've just been, you know, trying to stay positive, um, trying to work out as much as I can at home, um, reading, you know, catching up on TV and also spending, uh, spending time with my family, which is something I wouldn't normally be able to do much during the season so you know I'm just trying to find a way to keep me occupied and find advantages even in the even in the situation. Yeah so where is it you're actually based at the moment because obviously you play your trade in Italy and now the basketball season's finished so have you have you come back home to the UK? Yeah um, I'm in Kent during the summers now so yeah my family moved to, um, to Kent a few a few years ago we uh, we used to live in um, South London uh, but yeah we've, we've been out in Kent for the last uh, three years so yeah now I'm back in um, Kent with the family. Uh, so who have you got in the house of you at the moment then, uh, keeping you busy? Uh, I've got my mum and my sister, so, you know, they definitely keep me busy, keep me entertained. Watching on the news with Italy, it's been quite tough, hasn't it? What's it been like, um, well, you've obviously come back from there, but has it been a bit of a strange one seeing how that's all unfolded on the news there as well? Um, yeah, it's definitely been a, a strange and a weird time for, for everyone, really. Obviously, I've still got a lot of friends and, and people I know in Italy who are, you know, still struggling with with the whole situation. Also, because it's a, it's um, their lockdown conditions are even stricter than in the UK. So you know, they literally pretty much can't go out unless it's to to, to the shops. So um, it's definitely it's affecting a lot of people. And it, it was tough for me at the start as well when I because I did um, lockdown for two weeks in Italy and not really been able to leave my my apartment was was very tough. So I definitely understand you know the the situation that they're going through. And um, I've seen in recent days that the the mortality rates are starting to drop, but it's still really high numbers. So, you know, it's it's slowly moving in the right direction, but it's definitely a trying time for everyone because of, you know, Italy's been in lockdown for, for nearly two months now. So it's definitely a, a, a tough time. Yeah, in Italy, is it uh, Pistoia where you're based? Yeah, Pistoia, between Florence and Pisa. Yeah, and when you're living there, you, have you got mates living with you there or anyone? No, I'm by myself. So that's why it was um it was definitely tougher because, you know, obviously I was in I was in my apartment by myself, um, couldn't really leave and the shops and to go to the shops I have a shop like literally right next to my apartment. So it meant that even when I left my house I basically didn't really go anywhere. So it was um it was definitely a tough time those first couple of weeks. I'm sure your family are pleased to have you back and you've been keeping busy as well on social media, haven't you, with some Instagram takeovers, workouts and some uh, some pretty interesting TikToks as well. What's been the inspiration <laughs> behind some of those? Um, well, yeah, just having the time, I, you know, I can be a bit more active on social media. So, yeah, doing like, um, takeovers and, um, and interviews and things like that. just trying to, you know, help people share their stories, help sort of me interact more with people. Um, the TikToks, it's really just um, things I see on a day-to-day. So... Um, with the the Power Rangers one, um, you know, <laughs> I'd seen like or it was on Twitter or something like someone's ranking Power Rangers, and then I, I happened to have like multi-color tracksuits. So I thought, you know, why not? Um, with the Olympics one, 
again, I saw on social media something about the Olympics being cancelled. And so I just thought, you know, what kind of games could I play at home to simulate some kind of <laughs> Olympics? Um, and then the most recent one was just, um, I was listening to the song. And then, yeah, I just thought, why not? So it's all it's all very much stuff um, that's in and around me or that I see. And then I just think, you know, how could I make that a TikTok? And yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Destiny's Child one was a personal favourite. <laughs> Yeah, I got a, I got a pretty good reaction off that one. You know, they were they were very, a lot of people fell in love with the wig sort of thing. So, yeah. Any more in the pipeline? Um, I might have a couple in the next few days and weeks. You know, I have to think, um, try and find some some new inspiration because I tried to make everyone kind of different from the last. You know, I don't want to because you know, not people TikTok often, but you know, a lot of people will just do dances or they'll just do some kind of thing. I tried to make all of mine a bit different, so I tried to. I have to get creative, so think of something. I might be try to do a TV show or film or something. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure your followers are looking forward to that as well. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get people messaging me now, like just asking when's the next TikTok, you know, are you wearing the wig again? I was just, you know, so I've got to think of something. <laughs> Going into your basketball career itself then, um, you grew up in London, is that right? Or was it Kent you grew up, if that's where you're based I grew right up, now? Grew up, grew up in Grew up in South London. Grew up in Brixton. Um, was in Brixton for the first uh, nineteen years of my life, more or less. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to, um, for the listeners, get an idea of where it all started for you in basketball. So yeah, maybe if in your own words, you say how you got started in the game. Well, for me, um, I first I, I took it seriously from the age of about fourteen, but before that, when I was younger. My mum would do like classes in the in the at Brixton Rec, like you know yoga and and step classes, things like that. And because I was too young to to stay at home by myself, I would do training with the Top Cuts. So that was my first real introduction to basketball with um, Jimmy Rogers and and all the guys down at, at Brixton Top Cuts. That was really my first sort of introduction. But I never really took it seriously at that time. It was just literally to do something because I obviously I couldn't be home by myself. But then I really played football up until about fourteen. And it was in secondary school. We played a tournament. Um, it was like an inter-schools tournament. And I played a tournament at Stockholm School, which is now in Platinum's College. They changed the name. And that was where Greenhouse Pioneers trained. And so one of their coaches was there and saw me play in the game. And then after the game, he, he came up to me and asked, you know, if I may be, be interested in joining his basketball team. And so at first I was a bit apprehensive about it. You know, I, I was still playing football and I still really enjoyed that. I thought, you know, I'll give it a go because I did enjoy playing basketball, but just not to the level. And so I went to, to Greenhouse Pioneers for a few weeks of training. The summer holidays came, didn't really do anything. But then I decided I'm going to go back um, when school started again. And from there, really, I sort of, I joined their team at under-14s. And from there, really, it just sort of took off. I decided to stop playing football at the time. And then I would only play, you know, like, recreationally. And then, yeah, from really, from there, um, my first year, I made the England under-14s team. And at the end of the year when they had camps and we played a little tournament. And from there, really, it's just, you know, I played for Pioneers until um, under-16s and then I left for Italy. Yeah, I was going to ask you on that. So if you only started taking it seriously for a year then, if you were 14, and then at 15 you made the move to Italy with Angelico Biella, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was I was 14 when I first started playing and then when I was 15, it was um, after the summer because I got, I got picked for the England under-16s a year young. So I, when I was 15, I was playing with the, the 97 age group a year young. And um, Angelico Biela, they came to see me, they came to see me play at the, at the Euros. 
Um, and then after that, they, you know, they got in touch with my agent and my coaches and they, they offered me um, a trial week. So I went out to Italy for a week. Um, you know, I practiced with the team, saw how, you know, the organization was running and everything. And then about a month later, they offered me a, a, a junior level deal for four years. I signed in October and then I moved out to Italy in um, November. Wow. So in the space of a year, you went from sort of playing it leisurely to then taking it seriously and then making the move to, to Italy. Yeah, it was a really crazy sort of, you know, rise because I never expected when I first started playing you know, for for that to happen. But then, you know, the more I played, the more I enjoyed, you know, the more success that came with it. Um, once I got into the England path where that kind of really sort of showed me that I could really, you know, make something of this. And then after the Euros, when um, when Angelico Viela and a few other teams showed interest, it really sort of opened my eyes about, you know, what I could, what I could become. Something that's a bit interesting at the moment is, and I know you've touched on this with some of the interviews you've been doing with the junior players on on social media there's a discussion about the route that British players take and you've from doing it this way you've sort of gone against the grain in a way of where a lot of players head over to the states were you ever tempted to go down that route or was it this came along so fast and you just went over to Italy um I feel like because um I'd only been playing for a short short amount of time when I moved to Italy I had never really considered the option to to go to the states and because at that time I didn't really know anyone who had gone to the States and been successful, or not, not that had been successful, but I didn't really know that many people within basketball, so I didn't really know about people's stories of, of going to the States. And so for me, when opportunity to go to Europe, you know, came about, took it because I did, I had never really given much thought about going to the States or playing anywhere else. I just saw it as this is a real great opportunity now, so I think I should take it. It was only later on after a few years I'd been in Italy but, you know, people my age and people I had played with in England or played against were starting to, you know, commit to colleges and go to college. Where I considered it for, for a while. I considered it for, for during my, one of my years because I would get um, schools contact me asking if, you know, if I wanted to make the change. But I felt like I'd done so well in my short time in Italy already that I, I definitely made the right decision to stay there. And then after a while, um, I made a decision to stay, stop speaking to schools. I mean, I never really spoke to schools, but I had the interest, I sort of, I would always entertain them, but after a while, I just sort of shut them down and said, you know, I'm good where I am. You know, it's working for me in Italy. And so it was different because with Europe, a lot of people don't realize most European teams, they want to get you from young. So they'll they'll contact you when you're 14, 15, 13. You know, they don't really wait until you're older because in Europe, if you play a certain amount of years as a junior, you then qualify to, to play in that country as a citizen. So now when I play in Italy, I play as an Italian. Even though I'm not Italian, I still play for the GB men's team and, and, England, and England. I now count to teams as an Italian. So Europe teams try to do that to, to make you become a more valuable asset to teams in your future. And so it's a lot different to, to the States because the States wait usually until you're 18, 19 and ready to go to college. And then you become valuable to them because then you add to their college program. But then so after you finish college, it's like, okay, yeah, go wherever you want. In Europe, they try to sort of naturalize you in their country so that, you know, you can either be successful for their team or when you move on, you can stay in that country and play like you're from that country. Yeah, so when there's a lot of people now deciding where to take their next steps in their career, would you recommend this as a, well, I'm sure you would recommend this as a route for them that they could feasibly take as well? Yeah, definitely. But it's, it's a tough one because, you know, everyone is different. And so everyone 
may set a certain situation differently. Obviously, I don't know if the stakes would have worked for me because I left when I did, and you know I've never got to experience it. But the same way it could have worked, it's the same way it worked for me in Italy. It could have worked for me in the states, but it depends on fit because a lot of the time, if the fit isn't right, and if you don't feel like you're going to succeed in that environment, then you won't. So, for for my advice to people would be, you know, really weigh up the options of what's going to be the best situation for you. You know, you don't always have to follow your friends or people you've seen before you because what they've done is not necessarily what you'll be able to do. You know, schools are different, situations are different. You know, there's so many different factors into it. So you really got to think about what's best for you and what's best for your development at the time, what offers you more to get the best, you know, either out of education or from a skill standpoint and improving as a basketball player, what is the, the best way for you to be able to move forward in your career? For a lot of people, they believe it's the States and then they may get to the States and realize, you know, they may have made a wrong decision or hasn't really worked out the way they wanted to, also because they closed off the European option. I would always say to keep your options as open as possible and, you know, weigh up the pros and cons of each situation before you decide, okay, yeah, I definitely want to go to Europe or I definitely want to go to the States. I say definitely keep your options open and find what's the best fit for you. For you personally, as we said already, it come around so fast. Did it take you a long time to settle or was it something where you just hit the ground running? I know it definitely was. It took me a while to settle. It did take me a, a few, pretty much a year to, to really feel comfortable. Also because obviously the one of, not the downsides, but one of the, the tougher things we've gone to Europe is, you know, the language barrier. So obviously when I, when I moved to Italy, I didn't speak any Italian. More than chow, I basically didn't know anything. And so it was tough because for the first, months and you know as soon as I got there I couldn't really communicate with people you know my teammates were young and they were learning English so they didn't feel comfortable trying to speak English to me obviously I didn't speak any Italian so if I didn't speak to some of my coaches I pretty much didn't speak to anyone I was pretty much just you know on my on my my PSP or my Xbox you know just literally just separated from people because I couldn't really communicate and I didn't really want to talk and they weren't comfortable enough with their English to try to speak to me so it, that was definitely tough at the start but the more I felt comfortable learning Italian and trying to trying to speak it and trying to interact with them, the more comfortable they got with trying to speak to me in English, and, and it made things a lot easier. Um, obviously, now I speak it fluently, so I don't have the, that issue anymore. But definitely at the start, it was tough. Also, being away from home so young, one of the good things about the States, I guess, is that leaving later on, you're kind of more prepared because you're older, you're more mature, and you're sort of more ready to, to leave home and, you know, be a bit more independent. I was sort of forced into that at 15, which is quite young. And so I was definitely forced to mature quicker and sort of get comfortable really with being away from home. It was definitely a tough experience because I'd never really been away from home like that form before. Before that time, I'd only been like two weeks at European Championships or like a week at a camp. So it was definitely a, a big culture shock as well because, you know, obviously Europe, Italy is very different to the UK, just the way people do things. And so... It was tough at the beginning, but, you know, the more I got comfortable, my teammates really helped me when, you know, they felt more comfortable with me. My coaches were really welcoming and really supportive and tried to do everything they could to make me feel comfortable. So after a while, I sort of got into it. And now, you know, Italy's like a second home, really. It has. And you've gone from strength to strength, haven't you, rising through the ranks there? And by 18, you were playing in the second division, weren't you? Do you feel the choices you made at a young age and the commitment you made so young helped you get there? at such a young age? Uh, definitely. I definitely feel like, you know, I put the work in to, to get to where I was and um, I was very thankful for the opportunity I was given because, 
you know, not everyone gets the opportunity to, to go pro at such a young age. I mean, one thing I do say about the European route is that, you know, it allows you to do things not quicker, but, you know, most guys go to college when they're 18. I was playing my first, you know, professional games when I was at that age. And so um, it's a different it's a different route and it's not the one a lot of people take, but I was definitely thankful for, for the one I chose because I know if I had left when I was 18 and gone to college, you know, then suddenly if the, if the college thing doesn't really work out, it's a lot harder to come back to Europe after, you know, maybe one or two years, especially if I didn't play or didn't perform as well as I could. But to know that the club had the, the faith in me to put me into the professional setting at 18 at such a young age, it was definitely a humbling experience and definitely one I, I know I worked for and I was, I was appreciative of. Just looking at your stats before, um, in your last season, you averaged just under 32 minutes a game out of the 37 games. Um, and you're obviously a key figure then in that side after working your way up. But then did you feel it was time for a change? Yeah, I definitely felt um, after my last season in Biela that it was time to, to move on and challenge myself a bit more. My last year that I was captain and I felt like I had pretty much done what I wanted to do and all I could do with the team. You know, I felt like, um, not that I was stalling, but because obviously my role had increased um, every year, but I felt like I didn't want to be stuck in the same place for too long. You know, that was the place where I grew up and I was always, you know, thankful to BLM for everything, you know, the coaches and the people they have done for me. And it will always be, you know, my favourite team in Italy will always be, you know, have a special place in my heart. But I definitely feel like for my career, it was time for me to move on and try to, to take the, the next step and move up a level. So that definitely, it was a hard decision. Because I did want to stay, you know, there was a, a big part of me that wanted to stay. You know, I didn't have, I had a lot of friends there, or well, I still have a lot of friends there, and a lot of people that you know supported me and have seen me grow up really. So it was a hard decision, but I feel like it was the right one for for my career to take the the next step. So why Pistoia, and was that move difficult again? Like you say, leaving some friends and a lot of history in your junior years behind. I mean, yeah, it was definitely a tough decision to leave because, like I said, in Biela, I've done so much, and um, I've been there for six years at the time so it was definitely a big part of my life and a big part of my basketball career up until that point my choice to go to Pistoia wasn't wasn't like incredibly hard mainly because my coach from BL actually moved to Pistoia um, as long as as well as the, the general manager so it sort of gave me continuity going into Pistoia because they wanted to take me with them and so that made the, the decision to go there a lot smoother because I knew you know obviously it's a different area and a different city different kind of people but I knew Within the club, you know, the the system of play was going to be the same or very similar. You know, how the organization was run from the top because obviously I knew the GM. So that gave me a lot of comfort in making my decision. And also I thought it was the the best pathway, you know, to, to sort of lead myself into the into the top league, you know, with a coach I already know and I've played for, for, for four years already. And, you know, that he's coached me for four years. So he was already comfortable with what I could do. I knew how I knew his coaching style. He knew what I could do, so it definitely made the, the transition a lot smoother. And how did you find that step up into the first division, albeit ending prematurely? How did you find your first season went? Um, it was ups and downs. You know, it was obviously uh, a level up, and it, it was tough. And I had to, I had to definitely adjust to the to a better style of play. You know, a higher level of play. But yeah, definitely ups and downs. I felt like, you know, I found my role in the team. You know, I was playing consistently. And um, I was generally, I'd say, content with, with how, I, how I played. I knew I could do better, but I definitely feel like I was getting more comfortable as the season progressed. So, you know, ups and downs, but I feel like overall, it was, it was a decent season before, obviously. It got cut short, but um, the only thing is that it cut, got cut short just for us when we felt like we was really 
you know, beginning to hit our stride as a team. You know, we were winning. We won a few games in a row because we, we struggled quite a bit during the season. And so, you know, we felt like um, the, the lockdown and the whole situation happened pretty much like at the worst possible time. Um, I remember our last game of the season, we actually played a game with, with no fans. We played a game with closed doors. And it was probably the worst game I've ever played in my life. Not just from a personal performance standpoint, but just, you know, it's so hard to... Knowing that usually you have thousands of people come to the games to literally have, you know, five people... And those are like security staffs and like a couple of the of the other team spot like main sponsors. Like it was a surreal atmosphere. It was one I never want to experience again. Like it was it was crazy, you know. Um we lost the game because it really didn't it really didn't feel like a game. It felt like just a, a weird practice sort of thing. You know, it was definitely a surreal experience. But just the whole season as a whole, it was um ups and downs, but I definitely enjoyed the step up and I definitely wanna wanna improve and get better heading into next season. Yeah, what are the average attendances that uh, you get at your games then? Uh, well, our team, um, I think they were about three to 4,000. I know the stadium holds about five. But yeah, we had, um, it was about three to 4,000 usually. So yeah, it's definitely a crazy experience when, you know, you're used to, you know, three, four, in some arenas, seven or eight, or and then you go to 10 people. Like, it's, it was crazy. Yeah, and then you see, well, some of the sporting figures at top of different sports trying to decide at the moment the best way to return to sport how would you feel then if they decide to bring basketball back but say it has to be some more games behind closed doors yeah like it's definitely a tough one because you know we all we want to be able to get back to playing and getting back to do what we love but at the same time you know especially in the season you know you play for the fans you know you play for the city and for them to not be able to see or, or you know cheer for you it definitely takes a lot out of the game Maybe they could do a way to, you know, have a limit on fans or, but even that, you know, it's, it's, it's a real tough one to, to decide. And, you know, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but it would, it would definitely be weird. You have to, you know, go back to playing and there's no fans around because it would definitely take a lot of atmosphere out of the game. And, um, not necessarily take away from the level, but just take away from the, the general feeling of the game. But at the end of the day, we have to do what's best for, for you know, the player safety and, you know, everyone's general safety. And so. If that's what has to happen, then, you know, hopefully it doesn't last for the whole season. And hopefully we all have our fans with us. But, um, you know, if that's what has to happen, then unfortunately that's what has to happen. Looking back at uh, what you said on the sort of step up in level, you would have come up against some pretty tough opponents in that league. Uh, just looking at a couple of names on the leaderboards and things, there's a certain uh, Milos Teodosic that you might have come up against, but... Did you come yeah. up against him and who were the toughest opponents yeah, that you we, sort of came up against in that we season? Played them, yeah, we played them at, at their place, you know, in, in Bologna. Um, and he's just a, a special player, you know. There's there's not enough words to describe, you know, that guy. He's, the way he thinks, you know, the way he sees the court, um, you know, it was special. And they, they beat us quite well, so, you know. But we were we were in the third quarter, we were making a bit of a run for it. You know, we were we were trying to get back into the game, you know, he sort of just calmed everything down, hit a couple shots, threw a couple of nice passes, you know, and sort of just kicked us out of the game again. So, no, he was definitely a tough opponent. I had to guard him a few times, and it was definitely a tough cover. Because, you know, when you think of, of Milos's game, he's not the quickest guy, you know, he's not crazy athletic, but just so smart and, and so manipulative, you know, the way he controls the game, that it was um, definitely a tough cover and definitely one of the one of the toughest people we've had to guard this year. Is there any other notable uh, opponents that you've thought, oh, wow, these guys are tough? Um, we, I don't know, we played Austin Day, who had played in the NBA. 
seven, pretty much seven foot, you know, but guard-like skills. He was very tough. Sergio Rodriguez in Milan, uh, Luis Scola in Milan as well. A lot of guys, really, that, you know, NBA, EuroLeague guys, you know, a lot of great scorers. But, um, you know, definitely every game, pretty much, you can find a, a top, top-level player that, you know, you have to come up against. So it was definitely a, a tough experience. I guess coming up against these kind of players only furthers the, or makes you think that you did make the right decision uh, to make the step up. It must be a great experience for you to come up against these guys. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, when you're when I was growing up, and uh, when I started getting more into basketball and started watching it, you know, these are guys I would see, you know, on TV, you know, like, I'd be watching them in EuroLeague or in the NBA, you know, now I get the chance to play against them and compete against them, so, you know, it's a humbling experience for me, but also it shows I made the right, the right choice to make the step up, and, you know, it shows that I'm I'm willing to challenge myself against these guys and it shows I'm doing, you know, I'm doing stuff right. You've been a key figure in the GB setup throughout the age group squads and for the England ones as well. You joined at, was it 14 you were playing with the under-16s? Yeah, under-14, yeah. Yeah, and you made... Uh, 15, I was playing with. Yeah. Yeah, so, so 15 you were playing, well, you made your debut with the international squads and all the way through to making the senior squad at 19, is that right? Yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how your international journey has been for you. I mean, I've enjoyed pretty much every moment of it um, from those first camps at under-15s and under-16s. You know, obviously I was, I was a lot shy and a bit more nervous about it then because at the time I didn't really know anyone because, you know, most of the people on those teams, you know, have been playing together, you know, with the national teams for like since under-13s, you know, the regional tournaments and stuff like this. I never did a regional tournament and so or anything like that. And so literally, I just came into it and I was still, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the best player on the team. So I still had to, you know, grit and grind to make those teams. And then as the years progressed, I've always enjoyed being part of the England and GB program and, you know, being able to represent. I've always enjoyed, you know, the brotherhoods and the bonds that you form with the players over the summer because a lot of the time, especially with the 16s and 18s, you know, because the European Championships are quite late in the summer, you know, you spend a lot of time together, you know, you form new friendships with, with guys, you know, it's, it's a it's a bond you guys share and then competing together with, for your country, you know, there's there's no better there's no better feeling really, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously want the experience and want the chance to represent their country and to to be able to do that for, you know, eight years now, continuously, um, it's definitely it's definitely a blessing and then making the jump to to the men's team was humbling, especially because um the summer I did get called up when I was nineteen, I I didn't expect it at all. You know, I had um I was at 20s camp when I got the call up and, um, you know, my teammates, my, my 20s teammates were really, you know, they're really happy for me. But I was, I was shocked because I, I didn't expect it. I didn't, you know, have an idea that they were watching or that they were considering me for the camp. So it was definitely a really humbling experience to make that first camp. And, you know, since then I've, I've enjoyed every moment of, of representing. Did it help that you were able to come back to these squads where it was a bit more familiar surroundings in terms of the language barrier not being there as well from being over in Italy at a young age? Oh, yeah, it definitely did help, especially with, you know, 16s and 18s, you'd have camps during the year. So it was always good to, you know, come back when I could and, you know, see, you know, ex-teammates or guys I compete against, you know, and be able to sort of have, you know, these environments where I was, had more in common with the people, you know, I was used to the kind of guys, you know, like I said, you know, you form those friendships throughout the year and throughout the summer, so... It was definitely uh, fun times whenever I came back for, for camps or, or whatever it was with the national team. In the 16-17 season, you guys gained promotion from Division B, didn't you? What do you remember from that experience four years ago and is it one of your career highlights? 
Oh uh, yes, definitely. To to be you know part of a of a successful team with the twenties to you know to like to gain promotion, it's a it's an incredible feeling. You know that that team was you know we had a lot of great guys and a lot of great talent. You know when we put we came together when we needed to because you know in that tournament you know a lot of people didn't really expect us to do well, but we knew what we could do. And you know our goal from the start of camp was promotion. You know from from day one. Um, Andreas, who was the coach at the time, Coach Andreas Kapoulis in Bristol, you know, he said from the start, you know, our goal is promotion. You know, our goal is, is to to bring this team and to bring the country where it deserves to be in Division A. And so, you know, with that mindset that we had from the first day, um, it didn't make it easier, but it, it focused us and it, it let us know that, you know, what we're striving for, what we're trying to do um, in that summer. And then, you know, to achieve that with those guys was a special feeling. You know, it was definitely one of my proudest moments with the, with the, with the national team for sure. The most recent GB Games as well, I saw you lose to Montenegro, but you followed up with a great win over Germany in Newcastle. How much confidence does ending the certain section of the campaign with a result like that bring? It brings a lot of confidence um, because, you know, it shows us what we can do. And, you know, it shows us that we can compete with, you know, top countries in, um, in Europe. Obviously, Germany is, is a powerhouse and it has been for a number of years. And so it just shows us... Um, that we can compete and that we know what we can do when we're on our game. And so it definitely gives us a lot of confidence going into, you know, the next windows. Obviously, it remains to be seen what happens because of the whole virus situation, but definitely it gives us confidence of what this team can do and just trying to find that continuity going into the next games in the next window and trying to, you know, continue to replicate that because, you know, the next window is crucial for us having two home games. And so it's going to be really important how we, how we approach that and just to be ready for it. Um, because, you know, it's going to be two very tough games and, you know, winning those puts us in a great position to, to be able to qualify. Looking ahead to the future, which can be a bit difficult in these times, as we said before, uh, what are your aims going into next season and with GB? Uh, so with GB, definitely to to qualify for, for Eurobasket. Um, obviously, like I said, it remains to be seen when that will happen because of, you know, postponements of, of various tournaments. But we have to focus on our goal, which is which is to qualify. Um, like I said, the, the next window is pivotal for us because it's two home games against um, Montenegro and France. And, you know, winning both of those puts us in a really good position heading into the last window in February, which will be a tough one because um, it's two away games in Germany and in France. And obviously, you know, Germany and France, you know, when you think of top European teams, those are two names that, you know, pretty much always on the list and so for us it's about being ready you know coming together we've shown what we can do with the win over Germany and it's about you know trying to repeat that trying to repeat that to the best of our abilities you know trying to kind of represent the white way and um, and definitely our end goal is, is qualification for Eurobasket or 2021 or 2022 whenever it happens but you know definitely our, our end goal is qualification and are you still going to be staying with uh, Pistoia for next season how long you signed up for there? Yeah, I'm signed. Um, I'm signed in for another year in um in Pistoia. So you know, as long as you know nothing crazy happens with the league, I'll be back. I mean, Pistoia whenever you know we're able to travel and resume uh, you know normal activities. But yeah, I'll definitely be. Well, definitely, I, I um I should be back in Pistoia next season. Yeah, and I guess it's just for from that perspective, it's just a case of building on a pretty good. And solid first season there in the first division. Yeah, it's just trying to 
trying to improve and you know trying to continuously get better. You know, I've had I've got my feet wet. You know, having you know experience of what the league is like. So you know, moving on from that, you know, knowing what what I'm going to be facing, you know, it helps me prepare. And you know, my mindset has to be to keep improving and keep showing you know that I belong and that I can be you know a very successful player in that league for you know years to come. Do you ever look too far into the future, or is, do you always sort of? Keep a mind on the present because I was just going to ask: Do you see yourself leaving Italy anytime soon, or have you got any other hopes of getting into any other leagues or testing yourself in any other countries? Um, well, I I kind of try to keep one eye on the future, one eye on the present because you know to look too far in the future, you know, you can never really anticipate what's going to happen. But also to be just focused on the present, you know, you don't really set yourself up for what could happen. So, um. For the foreseeable future, I probably see myself in Italy um, purely because, you know, I'm comfortable with it and I feel like the league is at a level where I'm still challenging myself. You know, I don't feel like I've, I don't feel like I've, I've outgrown the league and to a point where, you know, I want to play somewhere else. Also, the fact that I'm, I, I play as an Italian opens up a lot of opportunity for me in Italy. Um, but like I said, it depends because, you know, situations can change, you know, um, Options can come and go, so you know it. It depends on you know how I'm progressing, and I would never rule out moving to another country to play. But um, for me, it's about the situation, and you know if I feel like I'll be successful in that situation, and and what the opportunity is. So you know I haven't closed the door on even early, but definitely for the foreseeable future, I definitely see myself here. Um, well, as we said before the chat, I just want to ask you some quick fire questions to end on, if that's all right. Because I could talk to you about your no career and life in Italy for ages, but I just am conscious of taking up too much of your time. So, <laughs> so uh, regarding lockdown, uh, what's your go to on Netflix at the moment? My go to on Netflix? Ooh, 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 that's tough. Um, well, I just finished Money Heist. Um, and so, my go to on Netflix right now. I'm actually watching. I'm gonna not gonna go on Netflix. I'm gonna go on. Um, I've got Amazon Prime. I'm watching The Office, the US version. That's what I've been watching recently. Yeah, that's probably my go-to right now because I just finished Money Heist, so I'm looking for a new Netflix series. Before you're sitting down and watching these, what are you reaching around for in the cupboards? What are you? What is your go-to snack at the moment that you can't put down during lockdown? My go-to snack. Well, I love sweets, so I know I shouldn't, but it's probably a pack of Haribo's. <laughs> Um, or it'll be sweet or fruit so you know it's it's good or bad um, probably some grapes and blueberries or Haribo's so you know it's definitely even of the scale yeah and do you make up for that with what you uh, make at your meal times and what's your favourite meal out in Italy at the moment in Italy my favourite meal that's a tough one um, probably a pasta carbonara which is um, got like um, egg and bacon and stuff like that in it. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. I don't make it, but when I go out, that's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the food's good out there, isn't it? Yeah, the food is the food is one of the best parts. That's another reason why I haven't left Italy yet, because the food is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too good to leave. Um, so now you're back in Kent. Um, is there anything you're making sure you get to eat while, that you've been missing from England while, while you've been in Italy? Not particularly, because I can get most things out in Italy. Um, probably apple pies. Like, you know, the, the packs of six you can get. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bit of a, I've got a, bit of a sweet tooth. So, yeah, probably, probably those apple pies <laughs> that, you know, I can munch on. And finally, in terms of a lockdown question, what's top of your playlist at the moment? Top of my playlist? 
Oh, that's a good one. Um, Not Destiny's Child, no? <laughs> nah, Destiny, Destiny's Child is in there sometimes, but some of my playlists would probably be J-Huss or um, any kind of R&B mix. So any kind of old school R&B is, is on my playlist right now. Because you know, the, the weather's been quite nice as well. I just want sort of relaxed, you know, old school kind of vibe. So yeah, probably R&B playlist is, um, is up there at the top. And then, you know, J-Huss... Um, who else is there? Yeah, Jay Z for a different kind of vibe, but yeah. So, and then uh, with some quick fire basketball questions to finish, I was wondering who makes your dream team? Uh, who's in your starting five? All time guys. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go LeBron as my point guard. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go small ball. Like I like. I'm gonna go small ball team. Um, so I'm gonna go LeBron as my point guard. Oh, it's just hard. Oh, no, I need to think about this. I'm going to go Kobe as my two. KD, Kevin Durant at the three. At the four, I'm going to go with KG, Kevin Garnett. Oh, no, I don't know. No, I'm going to go with Tim Duncan at the four. I'm going to go at the five. I'm going to go Shaq because just dominant. Nice. That's a pretty solid yeah. team, to be fair, isn't it? I'm sorry I asked you. It, made yeah. it sound, stressed you out a bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was a stressful one. That's, that's a stressful one. I, I, I had to leave MJ out because Kobe is my all-time favourite player. And then, yeah, I had to have LeBron as my point guard because I have to have LeBron in there. But I also want KD. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, we had, just because you mentioned him there, um, I never asked you who your toughest opponent was that you faced. Like, I asked some of the toughest you've had in the league this season but who's the toughest you faced I asked because Orlan Jackman took over our uh, Instagram a few days before you did and he got asked who it was his and he said uh, Durant was who he'd come up against that was the toughest yeah. obviously it's hard to beat him but <laughs> well I scrimmaged against Jimmy Butler and he was pretty tough so I might have to go with him or probably some oh maybe Nick Calafus with Greece point guard you're a league player. He was very tough to guard. Yeah, probably one of those two. So probably probably Jimmy Butler. But yeah, close second, Nick Calafus with Greece. So yeah. hopefully this is a bit less stressful for you. It might not be. Who's your best mate in basketball? My best mate? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that's tough. Shouldn't be ending on these, really. That, <laughs> that is tough. Oh, I've, done, I've got too many. Like, there's not, I don't think I have like, one specific player. Okay, um, you can go and name a few. Throw a few away. Probably a couple of my teammates that I had in Biela. His name's Sandro Mabukelashvili. He plays in um he plays at Seton Hall University. That's one of my really good friends in basketball. Oh, it's hard, man. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. Um, just all my all my England and GB teammates. <laughs> yeah, that, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Which one of them? We'll, yeah. we'll go away from that then because I don't want to. Uh, stress you out again too much uh, but who's got the worst taste in music out of all them then who's, in the GB squad who's got the worst taste in music ooh who's got the worst taste I don't think anyone's got particularly bad taste to be honest um, I think everyone you know everyone who plays who's 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 got the speakers on it puts pretty good music on um, I remember when I first got into to the men's Eric Bobateng was always was always the music he was always the DJ and sometimes he had a few questionable decisions, but, you know, in general, he was pretty good. 
Um, so yeah, Ebo was definitely the DJ back in the day. But yeah, no, I think everyone everyone's got pretty good taste. You know, I don't have any anyone I'd say who's got really bad taste. My last one was uh, what about dress sense wise? Anyone got any questionable uh, clothing that they turn up to for these uh, squads? Again, I haven't. I've never seen anything you know outrageous. You know, I've never seen anything too crazy. Where I've, where I thought, yeah, this 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 just doesn't work. So you know, everyone you know that I've been on teams with has has pretty good dress sense. You know, they keep it pretty simple. Um, so yeah, again, I haven't seen anything ridiculous or. So yeah, no, everyone's everyone's decent. Uh, and finally, uh, Carl, what's your next TikTok going to be? <laughs> uh, my next TikTok, uh, probably some kind of TV show remake, something, something to do with TV or film. Um, probably something I'll watch and then I try to recreate the best I can. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that, and it's been great to chat to you over the last forty-five minutes. So I appreciate you taking up your time, and it's, yeah, it's no been problem. a great chat, a lot of insight and tips for young players, and a great insight into your career with GB and in Italy so thanks very much Carl no problem anytime thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out you can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify so please like subscribe and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode